Well, we're live on C-Suite on the Nielsen Network, and in a moment we're going to be speaking to Stephen Saad, the CEO of Aspen Pharmacare. So, Lindsay, the markets are responding incredibly well to Aspen Pharmacare's full-year results, and we're up around around 6% at this stage. We were chatting a little earlier on Twitter spaces and getting some commentary from our market commentators on, on Aspen's results, uh, just uh, from the, the market pretty pretty much celebrating the news flow. Yeah, very much so. One of the things I will ask Stephen, if you don't uh, get ahead of me, is that how much of this is the fact that there's been this enormous debt reduction? And if I look at my notes here, I think it was something like 167 Billion, let's call it nearly 17 billion reduction in debt, which was one of the reasons why it came down to that ridiculously low level, uh, with other reasons, of course, of something like 60, 65 Rand per share. And it's currently just above 200 Rand a share, up 6%, as you quite rightly said. So it'll be interesting to see if he can say, well, it's just because we took on too much debt, that's why we went down. We brought that debt down again, and that's why we're up. And that will be the key. What is next? And uh, I'd love to give him a give us him to give us rather a visual sort of pie chart of where their earnings are and where they might be in the future because the pharmaceutical business the pharmacare business changes so much i mean with covid as well it's it's a very dynamic environment i wonder what the future is for aspen but at the moment yeah it's it's looking good i think it's looking really good and there we have the man of the hour in studio with us. We are live. Hi, Stephen. We're live on YouTube at this time. And uh, Lindsay is um, going to proceed. He's been dying to ask you a question. So, Lindsay, you want to take it away there? Well, I just want to just look at the results, first of all. Uh, revenue up 12%. Stephen, uh, 3% up in EBITDA and um, what was the other one? Normalized headline earnings per share up 10%. But that doesn't tell the real story to me. Is the market participant reaction, i.e. a really good reaction, the share price currently up 6%, and that's not your business to look at the share price, of course, uh, but it, it, it is doing well. Is it because they're so relieved that you've brought down your debt even further, nearly 17 billion? Uh, or is it because they see that after all the relatively turbulent times that you've been through, you're suddenly focusing on what you're really, really good at. And of course, the COVID story. Lots of points there. Maybe you could uh, embellish those points. Look, it's very hard for me to say what other people think, but I, I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> um, I think that he had a pretty ambitious strategy around steroids. Maybe too ambitious for everybody to digest. And you know, in life, as I say, no pain, no gain. There's some risk and reward. Five years ago, so I put in a presentation before we started sterile. I said, we, I believe the sterile business would be the biggest part of it. To achieve that, we needed to, we needed to be able to put facilities down which had economies, huge economies of scale. To do that, we bought a whole lot of products. Buying those products cost a lot of money, and building a platform four or five years of building these facilities is a drain on CapEx, and you're already stretched in debt. And you didn't need a sign of somewhere in between to distract everyone. Um, but what I think people are seeing now is the value of what we built, not just to humanity, not just the fact that you know you can now get a vaccine in South Africa from a South African company. But I think that people are starting to understand the worth of this platform and the value. And to me, the, the holy grail is growth, organic growth. And I think this is what this 
lifestyles provide one organic growth and a future platform for grand growth because you've got to fill all this capacity and we're showing it it's proving relatively easy to fill this capacity uh, it's not if but when so Stephen, uh, I'm sorry to have jumped in there and thrown Lindsay the first question. I was just writing out, I'm multitasking. I was just making sure that your name and title was exactly correct for our, our broadcast. Let's talk about the J&J the &J relationship and extending that relationship. Again, the market seems to be celebrating the notion that uh, you will be producing vaccines at the uh, facility in, in Port Elizabeth for longer. And I see Strive Masiwe also coming out um, with uh, some verbiage saying that those vaccines that are produced in Port Elizabeth will be utilized for the African continent and not exported. Is that the reality? I mean, that's hot off the press. I'm not sure if you've even seen that. Yes, no, it is. I read it. And obviously, I just, I mean, of course, we are, we are a contract manufacturing to change over. Of course, we pay, a, and personally, I pay very high attention to what stays in Africa and what goes in Africa because, um, you know, I've been on record to say if 100% stayed in Africa, that would make the best fleet. Um, and Strive is right, and my understanding is that it has been agreed that all production from Aspen will stay in the market uh, for the foreseeable future, and that even some product that has been exported to Europe will be returned. So, very. Um, I think it's a very positive development. I think Africa just hasn't had the vaccination rates and really deserves the benefit of uh, the supply of its own manufacturing. Stephen, you, you, your company has gone through so many different iterations over the years, and I've always likened you to when you when you first listed on the JSC to be a sort of a gawky adolescent and just finding your feet. And you know, when you're an adolescent, you don't really know what, what what's going on, but you grow into yourself. If you, if you like, can you give us a sort of a, a verbal pie chart of where your revenue comes from now as Aspen is as we speak, please? Sure. So when you look at our revenues, maybe 60 to 65 percent comes out of what we call a commercial farm of business. Our reps go and sell uh, that business. And, and that, 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 that business is split in two areas, a sterile business, which sells largely anesthetics and thrombosis. So that's and that's about 10 billion of sales. And then we've got about 17 billion of sales in regional brands. Now, regional brands is, is really what is the core South African business, our core Australian business. Uh, and, and now it's got a lot more Latin America, et cetera. But just to give you a flavor of what that one. And then the growing part of the big growing part of our business is the manufacturing piece of our business, where we make two things. We make uh, chemicals, API, that's the actives in pharmaceutical chemicals, largely in our Dutch facility, and we make things like heparin as well. Um, but the growing, the real growth of business that's doubling and trebling is our finished dose form manufacturing. That is where the COVID vaccine, for example, sit as well, where we sit and we make for others. Um, so, so that is that is what our business looks like. Um, uh, it's relatively simple. It's relatively clean. You've got your anesthetic thrombosis. You've got your core Australia, South Africa business, as you understand it, and then a manufacturing piece, which both makes chemicals and a finished dose for manufacturing. So Lindsay referenced that huge pay down in, in the group's debt to a manageable level. And, and again, the market really getting behind uh, that trajectory, which is uh, all in, in the right manner. 
but if you look at the restoration of your dividend, I think that may be what has really gotten people excited. You're obviously feeling confident enough to go out there and, and pay a dividend. And, and that really is an outlook statement, uh, I assume, Stephen. Yeah, I think, you know, if you just look at Aspen, we've really been over more than 20 years, we've been incredibly cash generative. Remember in this whole this whole 50 billion of debt that we generated yeah, was debt. We never took one brand of equity to get to this position. So whatever we've achieved has been achieved with no equity at all. So we've always been confident in the cash generative ability of the business. This year it was over 130%. Last year it was too. So we've been unreleasing un un a lot of working capital too, obviously, to get to those percentages. And, you know, as you get on top of the business and you get to know where to squeeze, we're getting into a better position. It was a quite a bit to settle at one go. So we're very confident, always been confident about our cash position, ability to generate cash. Of course, we get to a stage now where our debt is 16 billion and our EBITDA is 10 billion. You know, we could go to 35 billion in debt on that. You know? So so we want a big headroom in the sort of debt, in the debt area, plenty of space for a dividend, but also very confident in the ability of the business to generate. And because we've got so many strong organic growth, quite hard to find positive opportunities incremental to what you're doing because we think we've got all these things coming through. Can't just be positive today; it's got to be something that's very incrementally positive going forward. So that growth hurdle is also quite hard to meet. But our, our full focus now is about delivering on really we've delivered on what we said we were going to deliver, but now delivering fantastic return on on that extra capacity that we create on beyond what was apparent. Stephen, you've, uh, you've mentioned uh, organic growth on a couple of occasions during the last couple of minutes. Does that mean that you're, as a company, you as a CEO and you as a company are now a little bit acquisition shy because maybe you've got a little bit ahead of yourself, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all, but you've got a little bit ahead of yourself in many people's eyes in the past with acquisitions. You will you will look at acquisitions and not just the organic side of the business. Lindsay, I thought you've been following me for 20 years. Or did you really make the comments you've made now? Did you really make it? Of course, Aspen will do acquisitions and disposals. Aspen will always do acquisitions and disposals. Over and above all of that, we did two transactions in South Africa uh, recently. We will always be in the business of reshaping our business. All I'm mm. saying is that because there's such strong underlying growth, if you can incrementally drive your profit, it's very hard to buy something at any multiple now if you know in your own business, you're comfortable that you've got this incredible growth. Um, and, you know, just looking at the vaccine, so, you know, if we don't stay too fixated on manufacturing vaccines for third parties, licensing a vaccine is a completely different story, a different value proposition as well, and it's an incredible opportunity for access. But outside of COVID, there are many, many other vaccines. And having that strategic capacity that we have in South Africa, the quality that we've had it, is, is creating so many opportunities. We actually don't have enough personnel to bring all of this on on and stream at the same time. Because at the same time, we've got to still get these vaccines out. We've got to every batch of COVID vaccines, you know, you know it's a life or death. So there's incredible opportunity. Because say the word organic doesn't mean that there's no acquisitive opportunity. Um, just very strong organic opportunities. Those acquisitive opportunities have got a high hurdle rate. But I'm sure, as we have in the past, we'll find those opportunities. And it's 
not only about acquisition. Aspen's done a lot of disposal. Aspen grew by acquisition. Well, we must have acquired and disposed, which we haven't used any equity, and we've sort of doubled up from where we were. So, you know, um, I, I wouldn't just uh, So, Lindsay, uh, you, know, yeah. you have been wrapped over the knuckles there. Do you understand? You have been following yeah, right. Mr. Saab for 20 years now. Yeah. Um, I know we've got very and, short and, time. And I've got, a, I've got a few stories on him too, so it's just got to be very cautious. It's nice yeah, to see. Yeah, we'll get this Let's do a reveal over in Monaco, just to let you know, Bronwyn, that uh, uh, Stephen and I had a dinner at a, in a village, a perch village overlooking Monaco called Ez, at a restaurant called the Golden Goat. I can't remember what it is in, in French. But yeah, we, I think we both behaved a little bit badly. But anyway, that's nothing to do with today, Bronwyn. Uh, and, and I will certainly delve into that with Stephen at, at a later stage, not okay. here on this broadcast. But uh, Stephen, I, we've got a, two minutes with you. We know that you've got a pressed agenda, many, many uh, interviews lined up for today. Just, uh, I do want to get your sense on uh, the fourth wave. And I, I have to ask you, and, and being at the center of everything with the, the vaccine, uh, you are very well placed to, to give us a sense of, of what you know and uh, the information you are privy to. Yeah, uh, you know, my information is not very dissimilar to public information, just from a totally personal point of view. We saw two two curves or two, two waves that were relatively steep up and down. This wave is a bit longer. It's almost like a sort of ricocheted from province to province and it's gone a little bit longer and flat. So very hard for people. I hope that on the 2nd of December, we will have uh, a, a third fourth wave. I find that amazing that people can do that. I mean, it can only be done statistically. And what we've been shown is that statistics don't work. There might have been a certain period between certain states of very different. There's only one thing to do, because you're seeing it come back in areas that have been vaccinated. The difference is that they are not having deaths. <laughs> so when I, the medical clinic CEO told us that he had 43 deaths in the first and second wave, then they all the staff got a J&J vaccine. No, hasn't lost a single healthcare worker subsequently. So what does that mean? Let's not try and work out when the fourth wave came. Let's just work out how quickly you can go down, get vaccinated, and make us all safe, and make yourself safe. And and I think that is what I think what the vaccines are showing. Not stopping you getting COVID, stopping us getting COVID. And maybe a booster Stephen. shot will help. Transmission. Is this, I think it's a no discussion and a no debate. I think it's reckless not to get it. Appreciate your, your sentiments and uh, great set of results. Market celebrating those. I uh, hope you have a good evening further. Uh, lots of discussions ahead of you. Stephen Spud is the CEO Thank of you, Aspen Armcare. Uh, joining us here on the Nielsen Network with my co-host, Lindsay Williams from Strictly Business Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks you, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.